Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Chapter 2, book of Acts chapter 2, and I want to present you to verse 37 and 38 today, Acts 2, 37 and 38. The Bible says, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. My focus is on the question, What? shall we do say that with me what shall we do Lord we love you today and we thank you God for being in this place this is a holy place it's a place of worship Lord let your word oh God come to us today Lord mightily through us in us speak oh God we're going to give you the glory and the praise Father for it in your blessed name Hallelujah. Let everybody say amen. Amen. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, what shall we do? (laughs) What shall we do? You know, questions are everywhere in life. Questions are everywhere. People are a questioning mass of humanity. What's the weather going to do today? What should I have for lunch today? How do we get there? And when are we leaving? Questions. You know, normal questions, everyday life is filled with questions. And then there's, there's questions that we realize starts early. Questions that kids ask. Questions that kids ask are sometimes uh, crazy, you know. uh, Was everything in black and white back in the old days? How was it with the dinosaurs? Why is the sky blue, Daddy, and the grass green and the water wet? Questions. Where do I get my thoughts anyway? Where do thoughts come from? Then there's those major questions that involve life decisions. 
What am I going to do with my life? Where should I go to college? Should I go to college? What should my major be? Do I get married? Should I get married? Who should I marry? Should, I have, should we have kids? How many kids? What am I going to do with my vocation? Where am I going to work? How much am I going to make? Then we have those questions we ask that uh, are sometimes difficult but important. We look at a doctor and we say, is my condition serious? How much is this going to cost me? <laughs> uh, that's probably the, 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 either the first or the second question. But life is saturated with questions. Questions that lead to decisions and decisions that lead to destinies. Questions that probe the deep caverns of thought. Do you ever get around somebody that just, their thinking is so deep, you're like, uh, send me a life preserver, I'm sinking in this. Or you got, you got, got questions that just lay at the surface of your brain. Questions that c- come into your thoughts. Well, from the fall of Adam and Eve till now, there has been a question that has always been the question, the most important question with related to soul, salvation, relationship with God. What shall I do? What shall I do? I realize something is wrong, but what shall I do? I am miserable and unhappy, but what do I need to do? I feel lost and unwanted, but what shall I do? I have no sense of purpose or meaning in life. What shall I do? Amen. I'm addicted to habits that have me under control. What shall I do? Amen. I don't know my identity. I don't know where I fit. I don't know uh, where I belong. What shall I do? I'm confused. I'm bound. I'm oppressed. What shall I do? I am a sinner. What shall I do? It is an important question. And this is what was asked of the apostles. Amen. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles. To Peter and the rest of the apostles. Peter's not just preaching his own message. He's preaching the kingdom message with the others that are standing with him. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What causes an audience like this? A grand audience around an upper room to get into an uproar with, what shall I do? What's going on? Amen. If you begin to look at the the book of Acts chapter 2, you find out that Acts chapter 2 is the beginning of, the birthday of the church. A lot of people want to go back and, and, and deal with the, the, the thief on the cross. Or disciples of John the Baptist who were baptized unto repentance. And, or they want to talk about uh, this one or that one that was before Acts chapter 2. But if they do so, they're talking under another covenant. They're not talking under the covenant of the church. And what Christ did at Calvary. But in Acts chapter 2. And suddenly there came from heaven. As a sound of a rushing mighty wind. What was it doing? It was the breath of God. By the Holy Spirit. Coming into a new baby. Called the church. The church is not about a denomination. We have had all kinds of splintering of denominations. 
If John Wesley could roll over in his grave, he would roll over his grave as a lot of the major Methodist churches now accepting homosexual pastors. But the church wasn't born by Wesley. The church didn't come by Luther. The church didn't come through John the Baptist. Just in that particular thing. Amen. The church is not a denomination. It is a living organism. It has life and it began at the day of Pentecost. The church is not the UPC. The church is not the ALJC. The church is not the PAW. The church is not the uh, COOLJC. The church is not any alphabet soup other than J-E-S-U-S. Jesus Christ is the author and the birth of the church. Amen. If you want to be part of the church, you don't just join the role. You don't just write your name on membership. You must be born again. This is not my thoughts. This is not your thoughts. This is not a group of people's thoughts. It must be what must we do? What do we have to do? What must we do? This is not the first question the crowd asked. The first question was, What in the world is going on? They begin to speak with other tongues and the Spirit gave utterance and the crowd is is startled at these strange words coming out of their mouth. The the, the crowd is taken back and and, 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 and it's it's compelling. There's something unique about this, something different. uh, Amen. These Jews that came from all around the world to worship and commemorate the festival of Shavuot, they were there worshiping and and coming to be a a Hebrew. But we find that uh, in verse 5 we pick up the narrative and, and the beginning of the Pentecostal preaching message. Not a denomination, not because of somebody. We have Pentecostal on our church door, but rather this is the birth of the church. In Acts 2 and verse 5, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, religious men, out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language and they were all amazed and marveled saying one to another behold are not all these which speak Galileans and how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and uh, Egypt and parts of Libya about Cyrene, strangers, uh, amen, in Rome, uh, uh, strangers in Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, it's covering those that were there. We do hear them speak in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. Then they said, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one another, what meaneth this? The first question was, what is going on? What is happening here? What is taking place? Some years ago when we were pastoring in Tennessee, we had a great service and and uh, um, as the Lord was moving, I began to speak in tongues. Just felt like I was just speaking in tongues, just speaking in, in a language. You know, let the Holy Ghost speak uh, through me. And there happened to be a girl there that was from uh, uh, Brazil. She was an exchange student living with one of the families in the church. And after church, she said to, 
to the, the people that she was staying with said, I did not know that Pastor Gill knew Portuguese. This girl came from a mixed up background. This girl came from a mixture of Catholicism and paganism. She come from a mixed up background to understand what God is all about. And so she said, that young lady looked at, at those parents and said, he said there was only one God and Jesus was his name in Portuguese. Hallelujah. Can you imagine walking into a situation where 120 people are speaking in all these different language and dialects and people are hearing them declaring the wonderful works of God? It caused them to step back and say, what? is going on here. Every person needs to have a moment in their life to say, what is going on? This is a question of divine presence. It's a question of there's got to be something bigger than me. There's got to be something greater than my understanding. There's got to be something greater than my walk with God. There's got to be something greater than my faith. These were all devout People. These were people that loved and worshipped Jehovah. Oh, but there was something greater happening to them. And some were so taken back by it, they said, these are drunk. What meaneth this? What's going on? We need to have church. With a move of God so deep that it makes people stop and say, what is going on? What is going on? Hallelujah. And I thank God for new digs. I thank God for this building. I love coming to church here. I, I, sometimes I don't even want to leave. I love it being in the house of love. I love how it looks. I, I love that, that, that God uses us to do things online and, 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 and we're able to use lights. And we're, but, you know, lights don't mean a hill of beans without a move of God. Good carpeting doesn't mean anything. A good building. Beauty doesn't mean anything. What sets any church apart is what is going on. This is above the natural. This is above the normal. This is above the usual. This is above a, a, a three songs in a sermonette that, that produces Christianettes. Amen. This is above going through motion and above a denomination. It's above, amen, it's something different going. We need today to have a move of God in our lives so deeply that somebody says, what's up with you? What is it about you? What is it that you have? Amen. What is it about you that's speaking to me? What's going on? Let's pick up the message. Peter with the keys of the kingdom. From Matthew 16, he has the keys of the kingdom. Not keys to the kingdom, but keys of the kingdom. He's introducing the kingdom and opening up the door into kingdom work. This is where the church kingdom began. In verse 14, but Peter, notice this, but Peter standing with the eleven. Ah, oh, it's just Peter preaching his idea. No, he's standing in concert with the other disciples. If you think, now let, let's take this, just, just, just listen to me for a minute. 
They're only 50 days they're about removed from Calvary. And in those 50 days, Jesus spends a big portion of those days, about 40, with them, teaching them the kingdom. Get the context here. Jesus had been with them, teaching them about the kingdom. And so, when Peter stands up with the 11 and begins to preach this message, had he messed up, had he misquoted, had he mispronounced, had he had done anything that had deviated from what the king of kings had already declared, they would have shut him down. But he was standing with the 11. What is he doing? He's telling what Jesus has taught and now the Holy Spirit has confirmed in their hearts. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. I think we'll have somebody in a minute just do a hallelujah shout. This ought to be something that gets in our spirit that says hallelujah, hallelujah. Peter standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He takes an audience of Jews and takes them back to a scripture they know, takes them back to a word they already know. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Amen. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men dream dreams. And all my servants, he's quoting Joel here, that this is the fulfillment. And all my servants and all my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall Prophesy, I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the blood of the moon into blood that before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's going on? What are you saying here, Brother Peter? He's reminding them of the prophetic words spoken before. Amen. But he doesn't stop here. A lot of people want to stop with just this question or just this one thing. What? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But he continues. But he continues. What does he do? He begins to talk to them about salvation. This is how you know that this is a subject matter. Salvation is the subject matter. Somebody say salvation. Acts 2.22, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourself also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken. 
Amen. And by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up. These people knew what had gone on. It's just 50 days from Calvary and his burial and resurrection. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Peter is reacquainting them right now with what had transpired and what had gone on. Permanent counsel, he says, and foreknowledge of God that sent Christ to the cross. Why? The plan was redemption. The plan was salvation. The plan was the church. He was taken to die by, by hell's design. Satan thought that he could stop redemption. But, oh, God had another plan. Somebody say amen. amen. You killed, he says, you killed Jesus. You killed Jesus. You Put him in a grave. You put him in the grave. You put him on the cross. You all hung him there. You put him in a grave and sealed the tomb. But that didn't stop him. That couldn't contain him. The pains of death could not hold him. Death could not keep him. The grave could not hold him. Amen. And they knew that there was something up about Jesus. The Romans lied about his resurrection. The Hebrews lied about his resurrection. They couldn't explain it away. But here is a man that's speaking in their own language. Amen. And a group of people speaking in other tongues. And he's declaring to them, what's up? Pick up verse 33. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David, he speaks of, again, somebody they know, is not ascended to the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly, Know assuredly that God hath made that same both Lord and Christ. Just Christ. They knew when, when those Hebrews heard him say Christ, they knew he was saying Messiah. They knew what he was talking about. But when they said when he said, Lord, they also knew what he was talking about. He said, he is both Jehovah and he is Messiah. He is Jehovah and he is Messiah. That's what they tried to kill him for later. That's why they tried to kill Jesus when he was here. He is both Jehovah Lord of the Old Testament and he is Christ of the New Testament. Hey, you killed Jesus. Hey, you hung him on a cross. Hey, you beat his back. You drove nails in his hands. You put thorns on his head. You pulled out his beard. You put him in a place to die. But know this. This same Jesus. God made Lord in Christ. Whew. 
Okay. What Peter is preaching is perhaps one of the most incredibly gifted, homiletically designed and crafted sermon. It has been dissected by preachers for years. He covered it all in a short span. Isn't that what you want your pastor to do? Well, I'm not Peter. Y'all, Brother David preached 45 minutes last Sunday. Did you catch that? Lord, help us. Praise God. Brother Thornton told me, he said he's got a little bit of Fred Gill in him. And a little bit of M.L. Walls in him. <laughs> oh, my. But he's preaching this message. But what is he doing? He's showing them what Jesus did. Before you can ask the question, what must I do? You have to hear what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? When you begin to search through scriptures and I could preach an entire month on what Jesus did. Titus tells us he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. The writer of Hebrews said in 9 and 12, he obtained redemption for us. The book of Acts says in 20 and 28, he purchased the church of God with his own blood. That's what he did. We have redemption through his blood, Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Then in Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, who gave himself for us. Amen. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. He gave, what did Jesus do? He gave himself. They hung him on a cross, but he gave himself. He could have called angels at any moment and squashed them all like the rotten evil people that they are. But he didn't. He gave himself. Amen. Jesus provided eternal life by which the writer of Romans says is a free gift. It is a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. Amen. The Bible declares that we are bought with the price by what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The prophet Isaiah said in 53 and 5, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Amen. And with his stripes we are healed. Leave that up there just for a few minutes. I want to show you something powerful. He was wounded. Everybody say wounded. For our transgression. And he was bruised for our iniquities. A wound is an external inflicting pain. Something that happens from the external a bruise is something that happens internally. It's a bruise that swells up beneath the skin. Amen. When you think about transgression and what the Bible calls a transgression, a transgression is an outward action. It is going past a limit. When you trespass, 
somebody's property, you're trespassing. That means you've gone over the limit. And when a person commits an act like that, they do something with their hands. They do something with their body. They do something with an action. That is a transgression. It is an outward sin. But iniquity is an inward thought. A lot of people think, as long as I have an inward thought, I'm good. But the Lord destroyed an entire world before the flood he that had their thoughts were continually upon evil and so what the Lord did is that at Calvary he gave himself and was bruised for our inward thought <laughs> what did he do he saved me from my actions and he saved me from my thoughts Oh, my, my, my. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. No wonder the book of Acts records, amen, in chapter 4 and verse 12, where Peter says, amen, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven to give among men whereby we must be saved. So before you can ask what must I do, you need to know what he did. Amen. Before you can ask what must I do, you need to know what he did. Well, pastor, you don't know how deep my sin is. Wait. Find out what he did first. Find out how he covered everybody. How he gave his life for everybody. Amen. That is the gospel message. Peter stood with the eleven and proclaimed the gospel message of the kingdom. No wonder Paul would later write in Romans 1 and 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Many have faith, but it doesn't change them. Because they haven't understood the power of the gospel. There are those who believe, but they're not changed. Because they haven't understood the power of the gospel. The inclusive cohesive, co connected power of the gospel. Help us, Lord, today. I'm doing my best today to preach you meat and potatoes. Throw a little collard greens and, and some hot sauce. Woo Anybody like hot sauce on their collard greens? This boy does. Right chair. Praise God. Many know Jesus, but they don't know the gospel. Some have even confessed faith, but they haven't experienced the gospel. We're changed by the power of the gospel. You are changed by the power of the gospel. If it seems the gospel is not changing lives, it is because somebody hasn't really fulfilled what must I do. What is the gospel? We know it means the good news. But what is the good news? I'm glad you asked. Paul defines it very clearly in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 what the gospel is. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you 
which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. So I stand in the gospel. I've received the gospel. I stand in the gospel. I'm saved by the gospel. Everybody say, I'm saved by the gospel. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. I would not want to take the word of a person that wants to tell me what salvation is and they are living unregenerated. I started to say like a scallywag, but that's not really appropriate here. Somebody who's unregenerated that will tell you, I shook a preacher's hand and I'm saved. Or I just simply believed and I'm saved. If there is no regeneration, if there is no noticeable power in their life, then they have yet to ask, what must I do? I know what Jesus did, but what must I do? In verse 3, Paul said, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I received, how that, now he's about to tell us what the gospel is, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So Paul begins to tell us about a gospel that saves, that transforms, that delivers us. And he says it's wrapped up in three components. Christ died for our sins. He was buried for our sins. And he rose again so that we could have the newness of life. The gospel message of the kingdom. What Jesus taught his disciples. And his disciples continued to preach. Is three components. Death. Burial and resurrection. It is cohesive. It is seen in typology in the Old Testament. It is seen in the Passover in Egypt where it signifies death and the blood. And in the Red Sea crossing where they were buried. Amen. In the Red Sea according to the writers of scriptures. And then the giving of the law. 50 days from Passover to the giving of the law was the giving of new worship and a way of living. That was the type of the Old Testament. The gospel of the New Testament is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is the bear of Jesus Christ in a tomb. And 50, uh, it is the resurrection of Christ. And then 50 days later, he said, you are going to follow me. You are going to go after me. You're going to be like me. Hallelujah. If you know the salvation gospel, if you understand the gospel message, it is clear the gospel is this. Death, burial, and resurrection. I have a revelation for you. Are you ready? It's great, profound. Are you holding on to your seats? Got your pens out. 100% of people on the face of earth are sinners. 100% of people on the face of the earth are sinners. The writer of Kings says in Kings... And the writer of Romans says it the same thing. No man hath sinneth not. No man hath sinneth not. Romans writes, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. David said it like this, in, in sin did my, my mother conceive me. All of us are sinners. But we are either sinners saved by the gospel or we are sinners headed to hell. I got, got a good yes from the bishop. 
But that's the truth. That's the truth. All your fancy living, all of our good deeds matters not unless I've obeyed the gospel. Unless I've obeyed the gospel. What shall I do? What shall I do? I tell you today, God help us to understand that this is an original message. That this is the message of the cross. This is the message of the burial. This is the message of resurrection. And it is capsulized in every person that asks the question and then acts on it. What shall I do? The crowd heard Peter's convicting message. The crowd heard the gospel message that Peter presented in Acts 2. And then they were convicted. And they asked the question, What shall I do? Amen. And here's what Peter said. Repent. What is repentance? Death. Amen. Be buried with the Lord in baptism. That is already understood. Man, I want to run in so many directions. Can I just run down one one little trail and then come back? Can Can I be a guy and Brother Dylan go after the squirrel? Just for a minute. Then I'll come back. Many people stumble over Matthew 28, 19. Because Jesus said, we're to go into all the world, preach gospel to every, every, every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And they stumble over because they feel like that that was telling us what to say rather than what to do. Okay? If you study Scripture, every person that was baptized in the book of Acts Without question, there is not one person in the book of Acts ever baptized with the spoken word, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Paul wrote this very clearly. When I saw this the other day, I just leaped in my spirit. I hope it will help you. The Bible says, Paul said, we are buried with him, Christ, in baptism. And when we are buried with him in baptism, that means we are baptized into Christ. We're not baptized into the Father. We're not baptized into the Holy Ghost. We are baptized into Christ. So therefore, we have to come to the realization that in Christ, in Jesus Christ, is who I am in. Because He is the one, He is the one that did the work for me. I go into Him. It is His name that is connected to salvation. Oh, hallelujah. I, 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 I went down that trail just a little bit, and I, I, I'm not going to stay very long. But if you really want to know what baptism is for, it is to put you into Christ. And when you are baptized in his name, that is how you are put into Christ. And when you are put into Christ, you get the Father and you get the Son because they are one. They are one. It is all in him. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I'm going down another trail. I need to preach to you today about the gospel and the saving message of the gospel. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus Christ revealed his plan to preach the gospel. And we call it the Great Commission. As I referred to, Matthew 28, 19 says, we're to go and baptize all nations. Also to teach them, make disciples. Mark records this same commission in another facet of it where he says, go preach the gospel everywhere. Luke records the great commission 
in a similar, uh, the, the same command, but in a different way when he said that Jesus said that repentance and remission of sins would be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. The gospel reveals the scope of the kingdom, but in particularly the plan of salvation. Death, burial, and resurrection is not the totality of the gospel, but rather it is the entrance into the kingdom. But when you begin to look at the cohesiveness of Scripture, it is mind-blowing where God reveals himself through Scripture. If you look at 1 John chapter 5 and verse 8. 1 John 5 and 8. There are three that bear witness in earth. The spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. Study the surrounding scriptures and you will find that John is writing in the context of salvation. He puts the idea naturally that these three components are in bearing witness in the earth as the life properties. Let me quote from Bishop Wall's book, on these unchangeable truths, the apostolic truths, is what he wrote in his book. Our body consists of three primary elements necessary for life. Spirit, blood, water. Without any one of these three elements, we would die. The same thing holds true when you're looking at this from a spiritual standpoint. It, is, it takes spirit, water, and blood. A man to constitute the new birth and makes us become a part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. It is interesting that Jesus said, if you're going to enter the kingdom, you must be born again. I got a new citizenship when I was born again through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't get stumbled up over that those three components have to fit in a certain logistical order. The only thing that is absolutely first is repentance. (laughs) Repentance is essential to baptism. Matter of fact, there is a word. Can you throw up uh, Acts 2.38 for me? I feel like preaching a little bit and teaching a little bit, and I'm running, I'm running as fast as I can. Praise God. All right, let me show you something that just I think ought to make a, a mummy shout. Then Peter said unto them, repent and, somebody say and. In the Greek, that is a conjunctive connecting word. It is a connecting word. And what they say in the Greek is that that word is a continuation of thought. Repent, continuation of thought, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Amen. Now, I will tell you, in my life, the Bible also says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When I was seven years old, I was raised in church, come up in church, my mom and dad, they believe in, 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 in the gospel of drugging. Drug you to church on Sunday morning. Drug you to church on Sunday night. Didn't give you no option. It was no question whether I was going. I never asked my mom and dad, can I stay home? It wouldn't have done a good. No, it wouldn't have. Matter of fact, the night that I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, 
I was asleep on my mama's lap. Seven-year-old boy, asleep on my mama's lap. She raised five of them, but oh, I was her baby. I was asleep on her lap. But when altar call was given, mama woke me up. Didn't leave me there. She woke me up and drugged me to the altar and began to pray with me. And something got a hold of a seven-year-old boy that slept through the message. But I'd heard enough. I understood. I started worshiping God. And at seven years old, I spoke in tongues. At seven years old, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. At seven years old, I danced for an hour and a half across that. I don't remember it. My mom and dad told me that's what happened to me. Seven years old. Amen. There was a change. I had not been baptized yet. But I had made my right my heart right with God. As a boy, I had followed after the Lord. I wasn't baptized yet, but I was baptized right after. Do you understand that in the Bible there were those like Paul who received the baptism of the Holy Ghost before he was ever baptized, but it did not preclude him of being baptized. Hallelujah. Why? It's the component that brings the action of God. Hallelujah. If you have not been baptized and you have repented of your sin, you need to be baptized in the lovely name of Jesus. If you do not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He is for you. God is for you. He wants to fill you. It is the power that comes with the Holy Ghost. In repentance, we die to our sins. Romans 6, 2. This speaks of the blood. Through water baptism, we show that we're buried with him. Buried with Christ. This speaks of the water. Jesus said, except a man be born again of water and of spirit. A lot of people want to lump them together. I don't think that's consistent with the message of the gospel. Through baptism water, we take on his name. Our spirit comes alive when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Romans 6 and 4. Therefore we are buried with him in baptism unto death. That like as Christ raised, was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, even so, we also shall walk in newness of life. That's not afterlife, that's now life. Galatians 3.26 For ye all, ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. But he doesn't stop there. For as many of you who has been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You say, Pastor, I'm having a hard time overcoming. Let me tell you. As we said Tuesday. We're to do what we're to do. That is to believe and obey. If it says repent, we repent. If it says be baptized, we're to be baptized. If he says to be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. We follow him in answering the question, what must I do? I can't do anything to be saved on my own. I can't be holy enough. I can't have sleeves long enough. 
I can't have hair short enough. How about it, brother, buddy? Me and you. Austin, me and you, buddy. Praise God. A few of us others have got some chrome dome action going on. Jesus said in his rendition of, of Mark's understanding of the commission, he says this, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. This statement seals the importance of the gospel message of baptism. The first message to the first church, to the only church, to the only body of Christ, of which I want to be a part. It's not, again, about a denomination. It is about a movement. It's about a kingdom. I want to be part of the kingdom. It's global, worldwide. The first gospel message is the only gospel message, not because we preach it here, but because it was what was preached there. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the only saving message. The only, let me put it like this, the only complete saving message. But I want to tell you today, it works. It works. So the question is today, what must I do? If you're watching, you're part of this, this service today. If you're here, you have not been born again. Today, in a matter of a few moments, We'll have the baptistry ready. In a matter of minutes, baptize you in the love and name of Jesus. Let it be a revelation to you. Let it be a revelation to you. My good mom and dad was great missionary Baptist. They loved the Lord with all their heart. Years ago, my dad was preparing a Sunday school lesson, smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. Had ashes fallen on his Bible. He had not heard a message, but yet God convicted him. He said, Lord, if you'll help me, I'll quit this. Began to walk with the Lord deeper and deeper. One day, and many of you have heard this story, but one day as he was walking down the hall of Laterno University, at that time it was Laterno College in Longview, Texas. He was studying to be a bridge builder. He wanted to be an engineer and build bridges. He had his Bible open. He said he was walking underneath the fluorescent lights. 1948, and he said a light bigger than the fluorescent lights shone on a scripture, and he looked at it. He said it fell on Acts 2.38. He never heard that preached before, and it so convicted him that he went to the university library and began to research, and he researched history. He researched all history that he could get a hold of, and he said, but Mike, he said, I found that the original way they were baptized, according to the books in the library, was in the name of Jesus. He went, got my mom and some towels, and started knocking on doors and said, do you baptize in Jesus' name? And they would close the door and say, no, I don't. Would you, do you baptize in Jesus' name? They said, no, I don't. My mom and dad were people of faith, just like Cornelius was a person of faith, who God said his prayers went before him. It's not about deconstructing what somebody's faith is. It's about understanding the next step. Okay? But he said, 
they walked into a, a church that was open and a man on a ladder was changing lights and said, uh, is a pastor here? And he come down, he said, you're looking at him. He said, do you folks baptize in Jesus' name? Mom and dad standing there with their towels. He said, yes, we do. He said, will you baptize us right now? And they took my dad and my mom down in the lovely name of Jesus. But that wasn't the end of it. My dad come out and one of the persons that was there said, you're a candidate for the Holy Ghost. And he said, I didn't know what he's talking about. You're a candidate for the Holy Ghost. What's that? I don't know. Two weeks later, he was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues as God began to fill his life. God delivered him of cigarettes. God set him free. Now, he had to give up coffee. That's another story. But God set him free. God delivered him, called him to the gospel preaching message. He still does that. But we get in our mind and think, well, I've got to be careful. No, I've got to be careful to preach the truth. I've got to be careful to preach the truth. Here's what I know is the gospel will change you. It's not about whether you believe or are part of a particular church or you're part of a particular group. Just as what is happening in Africa, Revelation is hitting hundreds, hundreds of pastors and then their churches. Revelation is hit because if you got an open heart and you study the word, you will find let revelation hit you. Let revelation hit you. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? I can go on all day. Amen. But I want to stop here. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. Seal what we have preached with your spirit. Lord, let your word, oh God, right now be sealed. Somebody may be watching right now and realize they need to be buried in baptism in your lovely name. Hallelujah, Lord, I pray, oh God, Lord, that you would touch them. Somebody in this service today needs to go to another level with you. God, we don't stop at the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but we start walking in the newness of life. We start walking in the power of the Spirit. We start walking in the gifts of the Spirit. We start operating in the fruit of the Spirit, oh God. Let us be, Lord, very convinced in our mind. Lord, today, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.